Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to this broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio on this January the 2nd, 2019. I have to get used to saying 2019 now. So as we bring in the new year with our first broadcast of 2019, I am so glad that you could join us and those who are not listening to the live broadcast right now, uh, shout out to you as you check out the podcast in our archives. There's um, some changes and overhauls that are going to be going on uh, with Black Talk Radio Network. You know, sometimes they say that the definition of insane is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And, you know, I've learned a lot over the 10 years of broadcasting uh, that I've been doing with this network and running the platform and just everything involved with that. So we're going to uh, do some some things a little different. If you caught uh, my last of the year broadcast for BTR News, then you know a little something about what I'm talking about. But I am going to send out a, a poll uh, to those who are contributors and donors to our nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. So, you know, uh, part of that change is we now have new hosts here on the network, and I will be introducing them to you and bringing them in here in just a bit. But this, uh, the program is now New Abolitionist Radio is a collaborative effort between the nonprofit organizations, pre- prison streets talk ministries, and of course the Black Talk Media Project. Uh, some of the new hosts that you will hear from tonight, uh, we have uh, Brother Tayson McCollum, um, who will be helping us going forward in 2019. We also got Sister Khadijah and Mr. Maxwell Evans. Of course, Johanna and Elijah, when he's able, uh, one of the hosts for many years on New Abolitionist Radio, when he's able, uh, he will be making his contributions as well. And I, of course, will continue to be the technical producer and overall producer of New Abolitionist Radio. So let me lay out what we'll be talking about uh, during the next hour or so during this broadcast. Hey, we even got new music, uh, new intro music. Uh, that was the 13th Amendment. I love that track by Cash D- Doll. You spell her name C A, no, K A 
S H N Doll D O L L. Uh, it's from the album Twenty Seven, the most perfect album, and the title of that track is Thirteenth Amendment. It's posted on YouTube, so that's our new intro music for New Abolitionist Radio. Again, I told y'all we bringing it in new this year. Okay, so we're glad that you could join us for this relaunch. Um, on this Wednesday night, of course, we'll come on every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Lord willing. Tonight, we'll briefly go through some recent new news headlines, but we will open up the conversation to critiquing the First Step Act, which you might have heard about. It was recently signed into federal law by President Trump. Um, of course, Everybody has opinions, and so we'll go over uh, some of the opinions uh, that has been shared. What does it do? What does it not do? And how can it be improved upon? So activists and legislators, as I said, are of differing opinions on if the First Step Act brings relief to prisoners or if it is a step in the wrong direction at the wrong time. So, of course, um if you feel like you want to share your thoughts in addition with, with the host on the program, you can give us a call and share those thoughts and opinions on the First Step Act and its provisions by giving us a call at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. And again, New Abolitionist Radio is brought to you by Prison Streets Talk Ministries and the Black Talk Media Project right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. So let's get, let's get, um, I'm sorry, I might have uh, got the wrong information for the host. Host name, uh, I'm seeing in the chat, Maxwell Melvins. I, I don't know what I had written. I, I will correct that. Uh, my apologies to Max. Um, yeah, I got Maxwell Evans on here. I don't know how that happened. Please forgive me. I'll get that corrected. But let's go ahead and hear from our new host, uh, br helping us bring in new abolitionist radio for the new year 2019. Uh, what we're going to do now, we're going to allow each and every one to introduce themselves uh, to the audience. Uh, we're going to start, ladies first, we're going to start with Sister Khadija. Uh, Sister Khadija. Thank you for answering the call to uh, help continue this broadcast that's been going on since 2012. I would even say award winning since, you know, we were given an award for our broadcast. So now you're a part of that team. Uh, Khadija, if you don't mind, please introduce yourself to our longtime listeners and even our new listeners. Hi. Well, Mother I Khadija. CEO and founder of Jazz Underground International, and pretty much my background is being an advocate for change as a domestic violence survivor and just helping people in general know their laws and using my paralegal background to exercise um, and protect people's rights that they do not know that they have. So our organization collaborates with many other nonprofits for profits to pretty much um, explain our purpose here on earth and how we can come together and bring our resources together. And the key part here is um, just helping those that are incarcerated understand that they are humans and they have rights as well. And that's why I'm, I was able to join with Prison Street Talks Ministry because it's dear to my heart. And, and my goal here is just to advocate and, and, and change some of these legislative laws. 
Thank you, uh, Sister Khadijah, for your lifetime of service. And we want to go to Brother Tayson next. Brother Tayson, uh, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, please introduce yourself to your new listeners. Yes, sir. My name is Tayson McCullum. Um, I bring to the table a message, you know, because I, I am also, you know, uh, Or and been incarcerated and and you know what I mean been bound bound by the strict rules and regulations that come with this this modern day slavery. So I want the people to know and understand our sacrifices to this to this country and still be be treated the way we be treated, man. For street talk ministry is something that that was the, you know what well, it it wasn't just thought of it this this was dear to me and my wife heart because this is something that she had to see me endure you know the, the differences of of not being able to get the proper medication that i needed and things like that the proper medical treatment so this was something that we we felt like we need to be the voice for the brothers and sisters who don't have no voice word word definitely and from time to time uh, we will uh, have prisoners who will call in and, you know, I spoke with Sister Khadijah and, you know, if we have to pre-record an interview for them to get their message out, then we'll do that. But shout out to the Free Alabama Movement, shout out to the uh, Free Mississippi Movement and all the prisoners uh, organizations. And even if they are, you know, not part of a, a organization behind the walls, just shout out to the prisoners. You are more than welcome to call in when you can. And actually, uh, we will have two who will be joining us on a future broadcast as those brothers be doing live um streaming on Facebook, you know, to get the message out from behind the wall. So we certainly appreciate uh, your voice and your perspective coming from behind those walls, uh, Brother Taysan. Let's, let's hear now from, and I'm sorry, Brother Maxwell, but I messed up your name in the intro. Last but not least. <laughs> but let's welcome in uh, Brother Maxwell Melvins, and if you would, introduce yourself to your new listeners here on New Abolitionist yes. Radio. My name is uh, Maxwell Melvins. I have more than uh, 45 years in the criminal justice system. I would consider myself as a criminal justice alumni, and I am a person that advocates for the social justice issues criminal justice reform, prison reform, and issues of that nature. I'm the founding member of the Grammy-nominated Lifers Group, which most know us by Scare Straight program, which is actually the juvenile awareness program from Rawway Prison. And Scare Straight was just one of the titles that Hollywood put on us, but it was actually the juvenile awareness program which was a program to enlighten the juveniles and to cure them and to be an example of, I wanted to be an example of what I didn't want them to become. So as I said, I have more than 45 years. I am associated with several organizations such as Prison Street Talks Ministries. I'm the spokesperson for that organization. I'm also one of the members of the Die Jim Crow Project, which I don't know if many are familiar with, but 
Michelle Alexander wrote a book in reference to the mass incarceration of the criminal justice system and uh, myself, the Jim Crow Project is um, it's actually a project that was just recently put out an EP that have went into various prisons, the first project ever in the history to go throughout the United States in all the prisons to record uh, uh, an EP and we have a 20 2020 release of an album that's coming out and it's changing the narrative through music of what people's concept of us being prisoners you know we have this fixated set mind on what people are in prison and we can't and you know we have to accept humans as being human we can't define people by their crimes, we have to define people by who they are, and we sometimes define people for the crimes that they committed. And and I play a major role in uh, educating the the public and letting them know that we are more than what our crimes say that we are. And uh, as I said, I'm a Grammy nominated artist. I have an EP out. I have a album out. And that album was for the purpose to deter our youth and to share the realities of prison life. And, you know, in the early 90s, we had a lot of rappers that was coming out. And, you know, those rappers were misleading and our juveniles and our kids. And it was another side of the story that needed to be told. And I was going to be the one to tell others out of that story that one and one equals two, meaning that if you commit a crime or anything that they didn't tell you, they were telling you and promoting about popping your oozes and nine, but they weren't telling you about the consequences of making the wrong choices. So, you know, I set out on a project to do that. And till this very day right now, I am doing the very same thing right now with my life and trying to enlighten the public and enlighten all those out there, you know, of, of the consequences of making the wrong choices in life. And you're doing that through music, you said, as well, as one I, of your efforts. I, saw I, have, I have produced an EP, which is entitled Lifers Group. If anyone go on Facebook or Google my name, Maxwell Melvin's or Lifers Group, or go on the YouTube, they will see the albums that I produce, too. Uh, as I said, I'm also working on a new album with the Die Jim Crow Project. It's called Changing the Narrative Through Music. And it's an EP out right now on that. And it's an album coming out in 2020. Mm-hmm. And that is about the inhumane treatment of people that are incarcerated in the United States right now. It's talking about the injustice and the humane treatment of our brothers and sisters that are in the criminal justice system right now. Where, you know, we work with my um, organization, Black Talk Media Project, over the years has worked with and we bring on 
uh, Brother Kwabena Rasuli out of the Chicago area with Clear the Airways Project. And just what you spoke about, about the rappers coming out of prison and glorifying, you know, quote unquote, we yeah. all know the phrase thug life. And then, yeah. you know, not really dealing with the consequences and what his organization it's, it's does. Exactly. What his organization and, does. Yeah. Is call out exactly. is call out the terrestrial radio stations, most of them owned by Clear Channel and people who don't look like us, and they target our yeah. communities with this music uh, to put those ideals, those bad thoughts, uh, into the minds of the youth, hoping they'll act upon it because then they'll end up where on a prison slave plantation. Well, so I definitely got to hook of, hook you yeah. up with that brother. What a lot of pe our people don't understand that the same people that are invested, whether the Universal Music Group or these various groups that are out there, they have investments in some of these corporations that are invested in the mass corporation, mass incarceration of this prison system. They have investments in that. And so when you create a certain scenario, it's an ongoing process. And the, and, and the chain continues and continues and continues. It's much bigger than us, bro. And Word. I just want to say that a lot of artists believe that the record labels are in control. The record labels aren't in control. The actual person that are in control are the artists. Because all the artists got to do is say that I'm not going to do it. And the reason that I'm saying that, because I was in a position, I did the negotiating for Lifers Group for our albums, for our contract. I personally single-handed from behind prison walls negotiated our contracts and what we would do and what we wouldn't do as control as to what went on the album covers as to what for videos would be first I took control of that so the, the artists do have control a lot of them don't believe that they have control they just need to stand up Word, word. I'm definitely going to have to get you on, you and Brother Kwabana, uh on my program, Black Talk Radio uh, News, because that's a, a topic all by itself. We could do two hours talking about that. But And as I said, bro, you have a brief history of me, but I actually want you, when you have an opportunity, to look me up, Google my name, Maxwell Mel. Google my name. I'm not just someone that's just coming for the forefront right now as in a lot of people that are involved with this uh, criminal justice reform and people in selective organizations believing that they are the sole purpose of the first step act and all these things getting changed when actually there were brothers that have sacrificed and lost their lives for the changes that are coming now right and you got some people claiming the fame we are responsible because this happened or that that was laid down years and years before you ever come along. Right. It, it's been a constant struggle, just like slavery. Again, exactly. sla slavery exactly. hasn't been abolished, so we still in that struggle. So, you know, exactly. uh, it, we still dealing with it. But we do need we do need to uh, move move forward to some of our other segments. What we're going to do now, we're going to keep this segment uh, shorter yes. than normal. But we're going to. All right. 
we're going to go through some recent news headlines and then I'm going to go to each one of you and get your opinion. Okay. I'm just going to share yeah. something real briefly. And some of this yeah. does actually tie in to some of the provisions of the First Step Act. But like yeah. I agree with, um, you know, the First Step Act don't go far enough. Uh, but there no, is some, does. yeah, there is some relief in it. But let me let me bring this one to you. All right, so yeah. here's this story from the Chicago Tribune.com. It was written by yeah. Jeff Cohen and Stacy St. Clair. How solitary confinement drove a young inmate to the brink of insanity. Um, he yeah. would mutilate himself in his Illinois prison cell, slicing mm-hmm. open his neck, forearms, legs, and genitals hundreds of times yeah. over two decades in solitary confinement. Once he packed a fan motor inside a gaping leg wound, another time he yeah. cut open his scrotum and inserted a zipper. Each time he wow. harmed himself, he knew that at least for a little while, the extreme step would bring him into contact with other human beings. Therapists hey. would, would rush wow. to calm him. Nurses offer, would offer kind words as they took his pulse and stitched him up. And I'm just going to uh, uh, leave it there. I have shared the article on the social okay. media and in our community. I do want to get this person's name because it doesn't, it, it doesn't um, yeah. um, have Anthony Gay. Oh, Anthony Gay. Soul. Yeah. I want, I want to speak on that because, you know, like I said, I just came home. I've been home almost three months now. And this That's is Tayson speaking. I have kids. So I didn't, I didn't, been in solitary confinement, man. You know what I'm saying? I was in federal prison. And um, they're not supposed to give a person more than you are not supposed to do more than 30 days 90 days and 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 solitary confinement because it's it's a law that they have passed that they can't give us no more than that but they are overdoing it they are finding loopholes to be able to right to stack charges on you to 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 exceed the length of time that you both to be in in solid uh, in confinement uh, um, uh, Brother Tayson, real quick. I was sent to confinement on a, a municipal charge, a charge that was not even verified or in the category of confinement. You know what I'm saying? They exceeded that because it was an officer who lied on me because he didn't like the fact that I voiced my opinion to him. So... What what the charge that he wrote and lied on on me about, they they still locked me up and sent me to the hole because he exceeded his right by getting to the officer who's a sergeant who 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 got his back. So you know they 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 play these games in there. They wait till their superior officer is on duty and and then they attack the people who they don't. They want to attack who they dislike and send them to the hole. You know what I'm saying? He, they, 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 they allow people to steal all my cosmetics, all my food. You know what I'm saying? My wife is out here struggling and trying to make sure that I have these things. These are things that go on behind the wall. They dirty. They, they grimy. You know? Well, they sit here and they say all of these things about people who, who, who are incarcerated. But, but to the listeners, to the community, it, the fact is that. 
a lot of people out here in this community love a person who out here putting food on the table, but as soon as they gone, they got things to say about them. And, yeah. and this is one of the biggest things that, that goes on in the black community is that people support you when you out here and you putting money in their pocket and, and you putting money and food in their house, but they don't give you the support when you go out of sight, out of mind. And what I'm not saying, I'm not glorifying that. I'm just saying that, you know, people forget about the people who get incarcerated and they put tags on us and and they stigmatize the fact that we are still humans. Brother Tazan, you are, you are absolutely correct. And, and what you're trying to explain and get across is going to entail more in a, a longer period, right? But the importance right now, what we're trying to get across is the insanity in which the system drove this young man. Just for right. human contact, the actions, and the humiliation that he brought upon himself of inflicting, self-inflicting wounds upon himself. You are absolutely correct in everything you're saying right now. That's going to be a show within itself. Brother, so brother, brother Maxwell. What I'm trying to express right now is mm -hmm. the wounds that this brother, you know, this solitary confinement, solitary yeah. confinement itself. Absolutely. What it, what it drove this brother to? Insanity. Yeah. Insane. The reason I can relate to it, I bear witness. I'm trying to make is that the over, the over sentencing. The, the, the uh, uh, extension of amount of time that they're giving these brothers and sisters in consolidated confinement. Yeah. You know what True. I'm saying? Right, you got right. People doing years. I was at MCU. You know, you you know, I, management control unit. I was in Trenton State Prison. They I made me do almost ten years in there. Hey, so let me, let me say this before we move on uh, to our next story: is that. Um, we need to push and activists are pushing to ban solitary confinement. This is one of the things that the First Step Act addresses, but doesn't go far enough. It simply bans yes, exactly. in federal, it bans in federal prison the detention of juveniles, because we got juveniles that's not only in juvenile yeah. detention, but in federal adult prisons. And so it bans uh, putting them in the solitary confinement, but only they can only put them in solitary under certain conditions. Listen, but nobody that again, what you just said, bro. That under who? Under certain only, conditions, okay. they still will put a juvenile. Only, hold up. There's only 175,000 federal prisoners. Mm -hmm. When you've got a prison population in the United States of 2 million prisoners, you're talking about a percentage of 175,000. The minority, a small percentage. It does not affect their overall prison population throughout the United States. Right. It should be understood. It should be understood that the Federal Step Act, um, excuse me, the First Step Act affects federal prisons. Now, this is oh, something this is something that we can explore later later on. Okay. Yes, but we, I just want to make that clear. Only. Right, right. But as as I like to point out, it still brings some relief. So let me get back to the issue of solitary confinement. Yes. And under certain conditions, they in the federal prisons, they will still put a juvenile in there. I'm saying yeah. 
the correct position, or at least my position and many others, is that no one should be subjected to solitary confinement. No one, no child, no man, no woman. I mean, you have medical professionals who've already stated that just 24 hours in solitary confinement causes yeah. permanent mental damage. Yeah. So let's move on to this next story. And, and once we get exactly. through these stories, we will talk, get into, you know, okay. everything about the First Step Act, what it does, what it doesn't do. Um, right. Should we be pushing um, this as members, excuse me, should we be pushing this in our own states as citizens of separate states? Because like Brother uh, Maxwell said, this is federal legislation. Now, it's already, you know, certain reforms that were enacted on the state level first and it made its way into this federal bill, but exactly. he's right that, you know, this needs to be all across the land, not federal, not state, and what have you. But let me but let me share this story. Said, but as you just said, should we push it on the state level? You are absolutely correct. That is where we have to go with it. But go ahead. Right. So we've been getting a lot of news here lately about the uh, refugee children being locked up in detention facilities. We got people in Congress making... Uh, a, a lot of noise about the deaths of these two uh, migrant children and nobody should be mistreated. I'm a strong human rights defender. No one regardless of, of, of national origin, no one should be mistreated. No one. Now, we've been hearing a lot about that from, uh, you know, especially Democratic Congress members, but what we're not hearing from Congress though is this is the treatment of people in prisons and jails all across the United States, American citizens and non-citizens alike. So uh, this is a little excerpt. Y'all might have heard about uh, this this woman by the name of uh, Lenakia Michelle Brown. She was 37 years old. She was jailed and waiting trial on a drug trafficking charge. She was three weeks pregnant, sent to the Madison County Detention Center where she was found dead by a nurse. They did CPR on her over and over and got no response. So, uh, and Brown's mother said, they said that she was just gone. Now, what she had also been complaining of stomach pain to those uh, people in, in the jail and they ignored her and it resulted in her death. Um, so we got an adult, an American citizen, and a child who has recently died in a jail in the United States. And where's the cause for congressional hearings? I'm going to talk it to you guys. Who wants to comment on that? Well, you know, go ahead. Go ahead, brother. Sit down. Go ahead. Oh, pregnant woman that just passed away, man, is a tragic. And it's sad because you know what? This is the problem that we have in, in inside the system is is the the medical treatment, and that's one of the major issues that goes on while you're incarcerated. If you have nobody calling in for you or contacting these people about your medical concerns, they can care less because they're putting you on the back burner. I actually was just having a conversation with my wife the other day because if I didn't have her. A lot of things when it came to my medical concerns wouldn't have got addressed because if 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 you don't have a voice on the outside, this is, and this is this is a 
this is what I want the listeners to understand. If you have people incarcerated, please reach out and understand their grievances and their concerns when it comes to medical because if y'all don't call in or y'all don't 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 show that they have people on the outside who care about them, they don't care. They put you on a back burner. I wanted I needed an MRI for my knee and I had a surgery in two thousand and ten for my right knee. And um actually I need a knee replacement. So when I was in recently while I was incarcerated, you know, I was I was I was, you know, doing my own grievances and, and contacting medical and letting them know my concerns. They didn't care. They kept putting me on the back burner. So at you know, so then I told my wife, my wife started calling in and then they put me in front of people who've been waiting four or five years for M R I. Why? Because I had a voice on the outside. See, our people don't understand that, you know, we we have to we have to get involved and and and, and be able to, to you know be the voice for the, our brothers and sisters who are incarcerated. And see, it's a tragedy that happened to that woman because I just came out of own the own the county, you know, Mecklenburg County Jail, and in the summertime, while I was there. It was four deaths. Four people died in Mecklenburg County, you know, because they didn't get the proper medical attention. People complain about issues and things that they're going through, and they they don't they don't address the issues. They make you wait, and then you're charging people twenty dollars just to get to medical in Mecklenburg County, and then you're not even guaranteed to be able to see a doctor. That's just for a visit. Just just for them to tell you um, if you have any more issues or it get worse, then we'll let you see the doctor. But that's another twenty dollars, though. So our 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 systems are are messed up when it comes to medical because they don't care if you die. They don't care. It's it's that's just a simple fact. They really 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 don't care when it comes to medical issues. And for them to allow that woman to the the the, the parish while she was behind the wall is is it, truly sad, man. That's just for, that's something for the community to really say. You know what's really going on behind these prison walls? What's what's right. what's the real issues? Right. You know why why is you can charge or, or or receive all this money for housing me, but you can't take care of me? They don't take care of you. They don't feed you good. And, and 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 the medical conditions is 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 the worst. It's the worst. I would like to hear yeah, um, I would like to hear Sister Khadijah's perspective uh, on this as well. And I think Brother Maxwell wanted to say something uh, as well. I'll jump in. You know, because I'm always watching the clock as the producer. Um, yeah. You know, when we when we need to move uh, move it along a little bit. But Sister uh, Khadijah. Um, Particularly, this is a problem that is unique to women. When women go behind bars, they have special needs. You know, everybody should have access to medical care, but it's a, it's a lot more complicated uh, with a woman's body, especially if she's pregnant, um, than with a man. Um, so, you know, I'm just reminded of the woman who had birth in uh, David Clark's jail up there in Milwaukee, um, Wisconsin in 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 that county jail and the woman was was eight months pregnant and ended up having the baby. They ignored her calls for help. Ended up having the baby on the floor and the baby died. What are your well, thoughts? My thing is, 
my thoughts are pregnant women, you know, pregnant women need especially specific nutrient foods. They have to have a specific diet because there's so many health risks like the risk of digestional diabetes, which can cause the fetus to to trunk and the shoulders um, get too big for vaginal birth. That's alone, that's one case. Then you've got the... um, increase the diabetes after the child is born but during pregnancy there's so many issues you know they're even withholding um holding food from pregnant women um withholding medical treatment it's just so many issues that pregnant women just pregnant women alone go through um and that could cause all kinds of uh revulsions toward many of the foods that are served because their body's rejecting it because it's not healthy number one so even when nutrition and medical care are adequate, the restrictions and confinement inherent in prisons can make pregnancy and birth traumatic. And I can only imagine what Miss um, Brown went through, the lady that just passed. What, um, and I think in, in that article, I think the family said that they couldn't even identify the body. So I don't know what all happened behind the scenes, but um, women that are pregnant are not treated any different than people that that aren't pregnant and that to me is really alarming because they specifically um, have to make sure that they are specifically taken care of health wise so under the 1997 adoption and safe families Act, you know it said there if a child is in foster care for 15 to 22 months the state has to they must begin proceedings to terminate parental rights and then that in its loan says what does the state own the, the baby that's not born yet so that they can treat that 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 unborn child any way that they want. So it's really questionable. Like, like, what is their thoughts? What what is the government's thoughts on prisoner like um, the prison policies? Are they looking at the um, the unborn child as a slave, a slave that's to be born into their system? And if you think about it, the way it's set up, it's just nothing but slavery. Because you know what they you know what they did with children that was born into slavery they became slaves too they be, became working for the masses so it's a lot we can go really in depth with this but it, it's just the legal system really needs to revamp on a lot of things right the, the medical treatment primarily medical treatment food has to be definitely revamped um, and you you know you get so many people saying oh people commit crimes. They shouldn't be treated like, you know, celebrities in there. They did the crime due the time. But you, you have to realize people have human rights. This is medical. Right. By law, each state, federal state, have to abide by what their jurisdiction says by law. And they're not even abiding by what the statute says. So if they're not going by what the statute has governed them to do, why would they listen to, to outsiders? So we have to really just make them aware and make them accountable to the statutes that they have to be governed by. Right, right. Now, uh, Brother Maxwell, uh, I know you had some thoughts you wanted to share on this story. I heard heard you earlier. Yeah, I'm just going to share one of the things. What what I would like to share is very important, very important, as it applies to the uh, First Step Act, but it applies to medical as far as the women giving personal hygiene materials to take care of themselves where they were forced to buy it and none of them couldn't afford it and also the fact that in the first step act that it was applied that you know that the 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 women could not be shackled while having children 
or anything or having babies or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they could not be shackled anymore. You know, some of the, the things that are applied to that. And as she said, under the Constitution, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but under the Constitution, one of the only persons in the world that is guaranteed medical treatment is prisoners under the United States Constitution. I can't cite at this very, you know, cite the very uh, uh, in which it is uh, applied, but prisoners are under the United States Constitution guaranteed medical treatment of any human being, whether outside in society or not. And as uh, Sister Khadija said, what these people have to understand, we can't be defined by the act that we committed or whatever. We are the same very people that will return to society and need to be welcomed with open arms. How are you going to expect anything different from us if you are not willing to help? and to just criticize. And we have to remember how a lot of people end up in the system that they end up in because of their, uh, 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 whether it's uh, the personal experiences that they're having in their lives or whether whether it's for drug addictions or whatever, you know, various reasons why people go to prison. And we can't put, you know, stigmatize people and put this label on people. These are the same very people that are going to be returned to our society. And we have to, you know, we have to open them with welcome arms. We want them to do so much different, but if we keep continuing to do the same thing over repeated and repeated, how can we expect any different outcome? We can't expect any different outcome. If people aren't willing to, yes, everybody will rah, 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 rah against them or rah, rah, rah against them and talk, talk, talk. But we have to come forth and put into action to help these people, to welcome these people, because there are so many barriers. When people coming home from prison, they have so many barriers. Right. You know, that are blocking them from so many different things, whether it's to get in the workforce, whether it's different life licenses from different trades or whatever they have taken while they were in there. There's just so many different roadblocks. Right, right. You know, and like we said, a lot of the things we're not going to cover tonight, but we're just basically touching on certain topics because some of these things will require, require hours and hours of conversation. Yes, sir. We're not going to touch on everything tonight, but we're just touching on the surface right now. Right, right. But, brother, it's so much. And I'm not, I'm, another thing I like to say, after spending 33 years behind the wall, I'm not going to say that. You know, people say, well, some of the officers and some of the nurses staffing treat you like that because they're an officer or because they're a nurse and they feel they have this authority. It has nothing to do with that. It's why they treat us the way they treat us. You know why some of them treat us the way they treat us? It's because who they are as a person has nothing to do with I was just about to say that. as that badge, their badge or that authority that they have. It just has to do with them as a human being and who they are and how they feel about us. Yeah, there was pieces of crap before before they got in there that job. I before agree with got, that one hundred. They are as a human being, bro. right? And right. people are just so cool. Like I said, I have thirty. I have more than forty years in the criminal justice system. I can actually say that I'm a criminal justice alumni, spending forty five years of going into the prison criminal justice system at the age of nineteen for killing my best friend. 
And, I, you know, later I'll get into this and share the story and let people know who I am and one of the hosts and what I do and everything and yes, sir. how I do and what I try to do to make a change in the lives of other people to tell my story so that others don't have to live my story. Yes, like I sir. Said, we ain't going to get it in all tonight, but we're going to get it in. Yeah, and, and we welcome all those out there to call in because they have family members that are in there. We need them to know that they need to support those members because everybody expects people to just change so much and change overnight. Change is not change is not straight. You know what I'm saying? Change is not straight like an arrow. There's going to be many twisting turns. You know, right? And just like it took me when I got that homicide, that didn't happen overnight. For me to get to that level of where I was, it was a matter of years and years and years. But because of the lifestyle I was living, there was no other way out. It was only a matter of time what happened that night was going to happen just because of how I was living. All right. You know? so, so I um, didn't just get there overnight. Yeah. So, so like I didn't get there overnight to undo those behaviors and patterns, learn behaviors and things that I got. It's going to take me years and years and years to undo those behaviors and 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 and, and un, those unlearned patterns of behavior that I, uh, you know, acquired. We got uh, one more story to get in before uh, yes. we get to the top of the hour and take our station identification break and music break. Um, yes. We do share music on the program, so if y'all have yes. some, some um, you know, positive hip-hop, especially if it's speaking to the system, we've shared those tracks over Bruh, the years. all my music, I don't know if Sister Khadija got it over to you. My yeah, but, yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. All positive. Yeah, I'll get some of that from you. I'll get some of that from you. But let's move on to our next story. Now, remember this woman that we were just talking about, Sister Lanakia uh, Michelle Brown, yeah. who was pregnant and died. She wasn't in prison. She was in jail. She was in jail, and she yeah. couldn't afford bail. That's why she and was in, in jail waiting, waiting for trial. Waiting. So, listen, this is the story. This is the next story, and I'm going to play this clip for you uh, from Vice News. It recently aired on HBO uh, Vice News tonight, but this is definitely related, and I am aware yeah. there has been a movement to eliminate the bail system with the United States and the Philippines uh, being the only two countries left in the world that have a cash bail system. So the story is, in New York City, there are hundreds of women and juveniles in jail yeah. without having been convicted. Why they want to leave men out, yeah. I don't know. But let yeah. me restate that. In New York City, there are hundreds of men, women, and yeah. children in jail without having been convicted. Most of them are held well, but, at, at Rikers yeah, Island. It's important that I need to say something to you of what the very topic that you're saying. On yeah, if you before. if you could, if you could, we have a process of how we do the yeah. show. You'll get that opportunity once I finish yeah. with the show, you know, like on the all other right. stories. I'm sorry, once I finish with the story. Um, Go ahead, my brother. All right, so uh, as I stated, bail reform is a movement that's that's been going on for quite a few years now. I'm not going to say a lot yeah. of years, but there's probably yeah. been some movements I'm not aware of. But that has been at yeah. the forefront uh, recently. So bail reform has become an issue that's been picked up by the RFK, 
uh, foundation, um, and they wanted to address it last month when they embarked upon the largest mass bailout in history, led by Carrie Kennedy, daughter of the late Senator Robert F. Kennedy. The organization bailed out as many women and juveniles as they could with indifference to the alleged offense. Many in the law enforcement community may agree that something should be done about the cash bail system, but springing people in mass, they say it isn't it. And so let me just play this clip, and then after this clip, uh, we and uh, to hear about what just recently happened, then we'll come back and get our, our thoughts from our host. All right, Absolutely. so let me cue that, cue that up. President Trump announced his support today for a bill called the First Step Act. It will provide new incentives for low-risk inmates to learn the skills they need to find employment. It's out of character for Trump to show sympathy for people who've been convicted of crimes. And when you see these thugs being thrown into the back of a paddy wagon, I said, please don't be too nice. But his endorsement is the latest sign that criminal justice reform is now a mainstream and bipartisan issue. A major part of recent reform efforts is a push to rethink one of the basic elements of the American detention system, cash bail. It's a Monday morning, beautiful weather, and we have a Kennedy in Brooklyn in front of the Brooklyn Detention Complex. What's happening? What's going on today? Well, we're here conducting the largest bailout in the history of our country. Hi, I'd like to post bail, please. I just went in and started the process to bail out a woman. She's there only because she's too poor to make bail. Yes. Yes, yes, please. On October 1st, the RFK Human Rights Organization, led by Carrie Kennedy, the daughter of Bobby Kennedy, set out on a month-long, unprecedented mission to bail out hundreds of women and juveniles from New York City's notorious jail complex, Rikers Island. 80% of the people who are at Rikers Island are there awaiting trial. And the only reason they're there is because they can't afford to make bail. You know, in this country, if you live in poverty, you lose your right to uh, be innocent till proven guilty. And that's really what we're trying to address. We're, we're all set. We'll be back. Thank you so much. First bailouts this morning went great. Then we followed up with a bunch of volunteers going to the bail window at the Brooklyn Detention Center. I've paid a a few bails in New York, a fair amount, and this was the fastest bail paying experience I've ever seen. They they got through really quickly, which I think says something about what happens when you bring cameras (laughs) and, like, rich people to the bail window. But Kennedy, like anyone else who's not a bail bondsman, can only spring two people a month. So bailing out hundreds of people in a matter of weeks means recruiting 200 volunteers. But it's a pretty straightforward process. Uh, All you need is an ID and a very patient temperament to pay bail. And the money, right? The cashier's check that you will or will not run off with. Will not. All right, good. I did my job. Hi, everybody. I just want to know, when can I start? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to leave it right there. I have some quick comments, and then we will hear from uh, the other host that's on on with us tonight. Um, 
I'm not going to tell anyone not to do anything that's going to bring some relief to some people because people are dying in jail waiting on trial. So I'm not going to yeah. criticize these groups who get this money together, recruit these volunteers and go get people out of jail because it could be a matter of yeah. life or death. But at the same exactly. time, I have to also say we don't we we are helping to fund the system. The efforts should be put into ending cash bail. That's to me is what the JFK Foundation should be advocating for. And I hope that they're doing that. They could be doing wow. this to bring wow. attention to end cash bail. Um, but, you know, just let's just say that we had set up a little mm-hmm. group in our community and every time somebody go to jail, yeah. we go to bail them out. Well, we just take we just taking our resources and giving it to the system and we know that's yes. not gonna help the people in jail. So again, I'm not criticizing yeah. bailing people yeah. out of jail. People are dying in jail. What I am yeah. saying is it's more important to end the cash bail system. Those are my thoughts on it. Anybody else wanna wanna comment on it? Yes. I definitely would like to my brother. And like you just said, and what you hope that they are not doing to contribute to their cause, no, that is the very reason they're doing what they're doing for prison bail reform. I live in a county, originally Camden County, in the nation, is the prime example prison bail reform has changed. If you go to Camden County Jail, we are the example in the nation. You go to that county jail, it's based on a point system. It's not based on money with an insurance company were making billions of dollars. It's based off of, you know, the level and severity of the crime. And in Camden County, we are the, uh, what I say, the, the test for the nation, my county, of where I live at, for, the, for this nation right now, on prison bail reform, are a prime example of what bail reform can do. If you look it up and Google it, you'll see that Camden County in the United States is a prime example. And for those organizations that you said, you hope that they will be there to end it and just not there to pay the bail. In my opinion, that is exactly what they're doing to change the bail reform itself. They're not just contributing to the system itself. In my opinion, for my observation and my personal experience. Did anybody else, uh, Sister Khadija, you know, Brother Tayshon, what are y'all thoughts on the story on ending the cash bill in general and these type of efforts? Because that's not the only foundation that there is. I had interviewed these people who do cryptocurrency and they mine cryptocurrency and they put together this little thing where they, you, you know, uh, uh, people use cryptocurrency. It generates fees and then they put that in a, in a bail pot to go pay people people's bail and, well, uh, and I'm like again right nobody there. should I'm be in jail waiting on waiting but on I, trial because they can't afford that. to get out that has to end yeah. so what are y'all thoughts on yeah. it oh I have I got something to say I got something to say brother I can't hear you I recently just recently went through this the federal the federal is not is it just me brother Maxwell do you hear them what the federal is doing is they they when you go up 
and you okay, go in front of the judge. You seem to be having they, some sort of technical issue. I'm not able to hear you, you Sister Khadija. I see y'all talking on the board, but there's no sound coming through. You, then you owe them that money. Brother Maxwell, but are you the there? The thing is that they're not giving you the bond. The judge is denying you. Okay, what I'm going to do, listeners, is. Or restart doing like that, our uh, uh, um, conference a line. Um, you're not going to make and hopefully the they'll so call back in. They make and, it um, impossible for you. So to if y'all can hear me, call call back in uh, because they're going I can't on the score I don't know what happened to the score system. The level is called the level severity of inventory based off your past. Sorry about these technical problems. We'll get them resolved here shortly, listeners. Please be patient with me. Just sending a message in the chat to, so that they know to call back in. So let's go ahead and restart this conference and get right back in, get right back to uh, this story about ending cash bail in this system. Because as was stated, these people are innocent until proven guilty. And that's punishment. By keeping people in jail, dead, you've never, you, you haven't shown to be guilty of anything. Please hold uh, while we wait for the others to join. Okay, so I am back in, but I'm not hearing. Okay, I see the problem. I see the problem. I got the problem solved. And uh, let's get them back in here. All right, what I'm going to do is why I uh, try to get our host back in. We're going to go ahead and take our station identification break. Um, play that track by Cash Doll again about the 13th Amendment. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network. Stay tuned. We will be right back. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want this freedom. would be the one that would end it, but we still harass, still mass incarceration. 
So much for the Emancipation Proclamation. Oh, but be careful, black men. I know you eager to climb. Slavery is legal if you're convicted of a crime. And when that crime that you committed probably don't fit the time. Have you building ships for NASA and they pay you a dime? A conspiracy, they try to censor you when you speak. They can't hide behind the sheets, so not they do you like me. Meanwhile, you taking chances out here trying to survive. Yeah, not a lot has changed since 1865, but still they try to teach you that everybody's equal until you up for the same job as white people. Just know until we walk into the gates of the kingdom, we gon' stand here united, ready to fight for our freedom. New Abolitionist Radio. Sorry about those technical problems. I could not hear our host. I have identified the problem and we are back with you live on this Wednesday night, January the 2nd. So right before the break and before we go into our open forum, um, I wanted to uh, hear our host thoughts on that track that uh, we just heard. We heard from Brother Maxwell um, I think Sister Khadija was about to speak, and we were speaking on this bailout uh, thing that just occurred in New York. Sister Khadija? Yes, I can hear you. Go ahead. Yeah, I know Brother Tyson, he was speaking about um, the cash bailout, but uh, we often talk about the U.S. prison system, but um, people neglect the smaller county and civil level, level jails, and it's the institutions that the House the people convicted of the misdemeanors, but most likely those that are waiting trial. But they they have so many themes because just in two, um, I think in 2000, U.S. jails have operated on an average of almost 92 or 91 percent capacity. So it's an incredible cost to taxpayers. So when we start speaking of money issues, then that's where things become an issue. People don't want to go in debt for, you know, people that's doing any time. So the justice policy, we know is calling to end the cash bail system, but um, we have to figure out what do we do? Do they get denied bail, get it set too high so criminals can't afford to, to bail out, so they get monetary compensation from the state to, to, you know, to, pocket, to pocket the money? So we have to ask ourselves, you know, why should the U.S., in the practice of using money for bail. Is this something that they should do or shouldn't do? And I know that there's a lot of flaws in the American bail system. And it's just, it's perverted because it's perverted the whole entire pre-child justice. We know juveniles don't really have any real constitutional rights because they just, that's the way the constitution's written. 
So we have to take into consideration the overall view of how the whole Constitution is written and rewrite that Constitution. It needs to be rewritten. All right. Did uh, Brother Taysar have something on, on his thoughts on the cash bail system? Again, this is the United States and Philippines are the only two countries in the world that have a cash bail system. How is all these other nations getting by without uh, requiring poor people to pay money to get out of jail to prove their innocence? Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, it's, it's unfortunately, man, it's terrible because, um, you know, like I said, you know, you got the state and you got federal. Federal is, um, you're, first of all, you're already a bond. You're a bond by yourself. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, so when you, when you go up in the federal court, you, um, it's decided on whether they want to give you bond or not. And you don't have to actually have the cash or get a bondsman when it comes to federal. It's up to the judge to decide whether he want to grant you bail. And the only way you have to pay that money on your bond is if you 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 skip you skip court or you know or you flee then you got to pay that money back. But you know the system between the federal and the state is, is so misconstrued and they're not on the same page with nothing. And um, you know, like it, unfortunately, it, it's it's a tragedy because everything always revolves back to money. You know the the. Everything is about money with these people. It's 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 a business. This is this is modern day slavery. This is a business. This is something in the form of the continue to keep, um, continue to accumulate revenue on all sides in 360 degrees. You feel what I'm saying? So at every angle they're trying to accumulate revenue, whether it's bond, whether it's you know. The, 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 the amount of money they get paid to house us and, and things like that. It's all about money, man. It's a business. Right. It's a business. Right. And Bell's bond, uh, the Bell's bondsman business actually has a lobbyist and they lobby politicians to prevent any type of reforms. We actually had uh, interviewed a Bell bondsman who mm. who is also an abolitionist and, you know, he works with the people. He understands that his community, they don't have a whole lot of money. They don't have a whole lot of collateral and whatnot. And he don't want to see see them sit in jail. So he'll work with them. He'll front whatever he needs to front to get them out of jail. And then he'll put, you know, his clients on a payment plan based off of what they can afford. So, you know, I certainly appreciate his efforts, but he is, you know, probably one out of all of them. Cause I never heard of any other bills bondsman, not to say there's not any out there that, that work like that, but there, it is an industry and it is a business. They have a lobbyist like most corporations and businesses do. And they lobby to prevent, us, you know, from uh, implementing these changes. So, listen, we do need to move on. We're going to go into open forum now and pretty much all you're going to hear from is uh, Sister Khadija, Brother Tayson, and Brother Maxwell as we talk about the pros and cons of the First Step Act. Let me give an introduction. 
The formerly incarcerated re-enter society transformed safely transitioning every person act or also known as the first step act reforms the federal prison system of the USA and seeks to reduce recidivism. An, an initial version of the bill passed the House of Representatives 360 to 59 on May the 22nd, 2018. A revised bill passed the U.S. Senate on a bipartisan 87 to 12 vote on December the 18th, 2018. The House approved the bill with Senate revisions on December the 20th, 2018, and it was signed into law by President Donald Trump on December the 21st, 2018, before the end of the 115th Congress. Just in general, the act shall, among many provisions, allow for employees to store their firearms securely at federal prisons. I'm sure the the prison uh, guard unions and law enforcement has something to do with that. Um, um, Brother uh, Maxwell brought this up. Restrict the use of restraints on pregnant women. Expand compassionate release for terminally ill patients. Place prisoners closer to family in some cases. Authorize new markets, and this is particularly troubling because this is slavery. This is straight up slavery. Authorize new markets for the FPI. That's the Federal Prison Industries. You know what that is? That's Unicor. That's a corporation that's owned by the United States of America, Incorporated. It's a corporation too. That what we call the government is the federal government is has been incorporated. And that's uh, one of the ways they bring money into the federal government is through Unicor or the federal prison industry. So they're going to authorize new markets, you know, products made by prison prison slaves that they're going to open up to the new markets. Man, that's just crazy. Uh, Also mandates de-escalation training for correctional officers and employees and improves, and this was brought up earlier, female hygiene in prison. Um, here's some well, of the, they were charging them. They were charging them for all their like personal hygiene. Yeah, material. like like sanitary napkins and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, we were we were. I actually share stories. Um, you know, over the years of guards using that as a way to to coerce these women into having sex. Oh, you need you exactly. need a female exactly. napkin. I got that for you. What you going to do for me? You know what I'm saying? I did this kind of stuff going on now. I heard that I read that the prison's supposed to pay for these hygiene products and and they're supposed to go to the prisoners for free. So, with that with that stated, here is some of the criticism. One criticism of the First Step Act as passed by the House is that it addresses only prison reform and not sentencing reform. Changes were introduced in the U.S. Senate version that implements sentencing reform, so it does change some mandatory minimum, minimum sentences, not all. Criticisms... A small yeah. A small fraction. Criticism of the Senate legislation include that it lowers drug offenders' sentences during a drug epidemic and the premise that the American system is unfair has not been proven. Now, of course, that's from your racists like um, Tom Cotton, 
uh, who tried to tell Trump, if you sign this bill and one of them get out and do something, you that's going to be your Willie Horton moment. So using racism and denying that racism exists in, in the American criminal justice system is some of the criticism by people like Senator uh, Cotton. So I'm going to leave it there and I, I want to uh, just open up the floor uh, for conversation. If one of our listeners yeah. wants to call in and, and express an opinion, uh, call us at 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. And I'm going to turn it over to you guys. All right. So um, being that we open up the floor for calling, all during the meantime, we're going to do some discussion here, right? And like I said, the First Step Act is just a moderate step. Because again, the first step, let me show you who the first, there was a lot of controversy surrounding the first step back, and I'm going to tell you why. Core Civic and the GEO Group, which already operate all your transportation and holding cells for your immigration detention centers, they just, and Trump implemented in that the reentry of federal prisoners, and the GEO Group and Core Civic just invested $360 million in re-entry. So again, who's benefiting? They just invested in re-entry. And that was a part, re-entry was a part of the first step act of prisoners re-entering back into society from federal prison. Now who owns these buildings that's going to do this? The GEO and the core civic group who just invested, as I said, $360 million. These same groups have been given multiple millions to the Republican Party for the election. So it's like it's very controversial. You know, it's like it's like a no win win situation here. You know? It's like a give and take. You understand? Oh, uh, yes, yes. Did anybody else want to respond? Yeah, you know. Um, and like, hold the, on, the brother, the brother that, right, man. Like, Geo, let me just say one more thing. Geo Group, Core Civic, enthusiastically backed the First Step Act. And like I said, both companies, the Geo Group, backed the First Step. Corporations have spent years repositioning themselves from private prison firms to providers of re-entry. Now, what is one of your main parts of the First Step Act? Re-entry of federal prisoners. And the same people that maintain all these camps and transportation of immigration and holding pens is the same two groups. He also implemented in the First Step Act that there will be more visited time permitted by way of teleconferencing. Who owns teleconferencing and phone calls? GTL Group, which operates the inmate phone system, one of the biggest corporations that dominates the market in the United States. Who are these groups? If you, you'll see how much money that they donated to the Republican Party. So, you know, like I said, it's hard to say. It's, a, it's like, you know, it's like a really hard bill a lot of people backed out of it for those reasons but it's like a catch-22 right if right you, want this, you got to give this right now you know? again 
it it does have some good things, but it's like like you said now, people was trying to say, oh, they trying to put poison pills in it. Well, I just read some poison pills that did that are in it. Especially the part about opening up new markets. Now again, New Abolitionist Radio was founded to bring to the public's attention that this ain't mass incarceration. This is a continuation of slavery. The thirteenth Amendment says uh, exactly. slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished except as a punishment for crime. Then you got the federal government of a, of a person convicted of a crime. Of a person yes. convicted of a crime, in, you know, under the U.S. jurisdiction. So yes. now you got prisoners that's fighting fires, even though that's the state of California, but you got prisoners fighting fires. You got federal prisoners making of uh, uh, stuff that the military deals with, electronics exactly, and furniture, exactly. and they're gonna be selling that stuff on the on, where well, they already selling it no, on the market. Do. It goes. Where do you think the furniture and different things that go in, right, the, right. in the White House come from? But what are these they new markets the, they talking the, about? And these are some things we're gonna have to explore on future programs. I'm gonna give programs. you one. I can give you one. Okay, give well, us one. I, I, I want to suggest the racism, the structural racism that they're reinforcing because. We all know that the criminal legal system, they designed to bring harm to both the black and brown communities. And we know that the first act bill itself, um, it pretty much um, condone, it, it entrenches the structural racism by having the, the you know, they have programs set up, um, like in prison programs. So they call it the, the, the risk assessment tools. And basically that's, that's yeah. clearly designed based on racially biased factors to see who's uh, eligible for yeah. to be rehabilitated through uh, these programs upon exactly. release. Exactly. So they have all these hidden, they can put fancy words to it hidden to make it seem like, but, but it's that hidden racism. And the yeah, first step, it is. It they is, shouldn't, it is. They, they, need to in, they need to have these assessments based on the individualized for those that are incarcerated, and they should be available to everybody that's incarcerated, not just whether they are convicted, whatever the, the, their conviction is, everyone should have the same rights. So they pretty much are using that to structure racism, to water Man. it down, but it still exists. No. So that's it's, modern day yes, slavery again. No, yes, it, it, it does in many ways. Let me give you an example. Trump said that he wouldn't steal fair, fair for all Americans to receive Fair health care, right? I don't know if y'all recall that. He was uh, sponsoring something such as a bill that all of us, he would make sure the insurance companies would be at a level thing. But what he didn't say, all right, he's doing it in that way, but guess what he implemented also as a part of the first step back? That all prisons will receive this drug treatment, different thing, and different treatments meaning they're giving prisoners shots and things who owns the companies again that's going to provide all this drug treatment and different things that they're going to these prisoners well brother brother uh maxwell not to mention that Nobody should be going to prison because they're addicted to a drug or not. They shouldn't be. It's other nations that don't do that. This is a public health issue. Nobody should be yeah. going to prison for he's, being addicted to crack. He's declared that himself. He's declared right. that as that of a. 
So it just sustains, it's, it's sustaining the drug war started by Richard Nixon, who said that we wanted to target the blacks and, the, and these yes, hippie yes. protesters. And, yes, and yes. that's what the drug war is Richard about. Nixon started it, the most yes. person that invested in it was Ronald Reagan because he put billions and billions of dollars. Well, the Clintons did more. The Clintons put more uh, behind it than Reagan. The main Reagan. issue is that none of this... None of the narcotics would have been in the, over here in America until they brought it over here. We didn't go over there and get it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, hold on. This is just a part of the slavery to keep the, uh, a certain community down, to keep colored folks down. Because deep, when you brought this over here, your idea was to destroy the community, but when, when it got outside of our community, it became an issue. You know what I'm saying? So my yeah, thing yeah, is, yeah. they talk about this prison reform, this re-entry to society. That is bull crap. And I say that because I just, listen, I just was in Petersburg on federal prison not too long ago. I just came home. I ain't been home three months yet. I just came from Petersburg. I did the drug program, the RDAP, what they call RDAP. It's crap. You know what I'm saying? They got some good points that they teach you, but it's it's designed to brainwash you to make you think a certain way. You know what I'm saying? In order to pass that class, you have to adapt and think that the way that they want you to think for you to be able to pass that class. And see, they, they, they make it so hard because they bribe you with... First it started off, you could get to a year off of your sentence. And... Not only that, they um they give you a certificate and, and they're supposed to give you um up to a year halfway house. See, when when Trump did all the things that he did, they took all the halfway houses from the federal prison. It's only a couple, a handful of halfway houses. North Carolina don't have number one. And from me, from where I'm in in Charlotte, it's like four hours away, and. The closest halfway house probably in Wilmington somewhere or or past that. You know what I'm saying? So now what they did with the federal system when it's time for you to get your halfway house, they they, they, they took they took the, the, the um the year off that they supposed to give you off the table. Now you probably only gonna get thirty days, ninety days. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I right, the you know, it's about money. It's about it's, you know, they, they bribe you to get you one of these classes. This is what they put on tape. Then they take that away from you. You had brothers and sisters that, that, that took the program and got approved for a year or nine months. And you know what happened when they was waiting? And, and, and when the time came for them to go home and they people waiting for them to take them to the halfway house, they call their people, they tell them, and then they got to call their people because they didn't snatch it off tape and say, we can only give you four months. But we approved you for nine. We approved you for a year. And I, I witnessed this. This is things I witnessed. You know what I'm saying? I, I said, none of that stuff worked because they don't do hands on hand. I mean, hands on hand with you and, and try to reintegrate us back in society. They can care less. They, they come up with these programs because they can get the funding. They don't care about us. They're not right, really right. Trying to, Nobody should be in prison. As citizens of the community, they're not trying to reintegrate us back into society. They can care less. They want us to offend again so they can come. We come back. Right. You know what I'm saying? So these yeah. programs that they say yeah. that they they they, they funding and 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 that they trying to teach us how to 
Because, listen, once we come back out here, we are not equal citizens. We're still slaves. We're not equal citizens. Because I can call somebody right now and ask for a job versus a person who don't have a background, and I'm not going to get that job. Right. I'm not going to get housing. It's hard for a person who's been convicted of a crime because they're trying to transform everything to government housing now. Even the, the so-called, um, you know, private realtors is going through realtors who who is checking backgrounds and doing all yeah, this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So where's the housing coming for us? Right. We can't get no housing. Where we going to live? Right. So, so basically, you're making it hard for us to survive out here. So you want people to reoffend, to to repeat the same pattern, or go back to the ways that they know how to survive. It's about survival now. You know what I'm saying? It ain't about oh uh, you us just being out here wanting to do what we want. It's about survival. Right. You can't push a cat in the corner or a dog in the corner and expect them not to attack because they have to attack the issues that govern them that bring on concerns that they fear for their life. Right. And that's just real. That's just speaking real because, mm. you know what I'm saying, this, this is something sensitive to me because, like I said, brother, brother Reed, I just came home. I know what it is behind them walls. I done did almost 17 years of my life in prison. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, and I, I've been behind them walls. I'm a living testimony for my brothers and sisters who listening. I want y'all to stay encouraged and stay up. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a tragedy because we are slaves to, this, to, this, to, to, to what's going on. And, and people don't even understand it. They think that people, that the, that, that the government is doing right. The only thing different between me and the government is that they didn't get caught. And that's real talk. Oh, when they do get caught, like the CIA got caught and exposed by the journalist Gary Webb of smuggling crack cocaine, uh, yeah. when Ricky Ross, Freeway Ross, told where he got it from, then none of them people go yeah. to jail. No, so no, no, it's not. It, 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 they don't care if they get caught or not. Nobody's You're not going the only to. One. Yeah. Diego, uh, right, Oliver right. North. Right. North. But listen, listen, we have to wrap it up. Um, we were only going to do an hour tonight, but starting next week, we will do the two, the full two hours. So I want to do these last two segments. We have our, uh, exoneree of the week and then our abolitionist in profile. And then we will get final comments from each of our hosts and then we will close out the show. All right. So our exoneree of the week is Julie Ray. She was convicted of killing her 10-year-old son largely on the testimony of bloodstain pattern analysis. She was later acquitted and exonerated based on DNA evidence and she joined a, a growing community of Americans wrongly convicted with bad science and and this is something we've covered over the years using pseudoscience to send people into slavery so we want to welcome uh julie ray to freedom welcome to freedom um our abolitionist in profile will be martin delaney 
Martin Delaney was born May 6, 1812 in Charlestown, West Virginia. Uh, he transitioned from this life on January the 24th, 1885 in Wilberforce, Ohio. He was an African-American abolitionist, a journalist, a physician, a soldier, and writer, and arguably the first proponent of black nationalism. Delaney is also credited with the Pan-African slogan, Africa for Africans. Again, Delaney was born in Charlestown, Virginia to a, a, a father who was a victim of slavery and a mother who was free. Delaney's mother took her children to Pennsylvania in 1822 to avoid their enslavement and persecution brought on by attempting to teach her children to read and write, which was illegal in the state at the time. In 1833, Martin Delaney began an apprenticeship with a Pittsburgh physician and soon opened a successful medical practice in cupping and leeching. Um... In 1843, he began publishing a newspaper in Pittsburgh called The Mystery. Later, Delaney joined Frederick Douglass to produce and promote The North Star in Rochester, New York. That's a very famous abolitionist paper. Um, when the Civil War began in 1861, Delaney, who had left to start a colony for African-Americans back in Africa, he came back once the Civil War started in 1861, and he set aside his immigration views that black people should all go back to Africa. He recruited thousands of... Uh, he he recruited thousands of men for the Union Army. In February 1865, after meeting with President Abraham Lincoln to persuade the administration to create an all-black corps led by African-American officers, Delaney was commissioned a major in the 52nd U.S. Colored Troops Regiment. With that appointment, he became the first line officer in U.S. history. And I'm almost done here, just two more paragraphs. His efforts in Rhode Island, Connecticut, and later Ohio raised thousands of enlistees, many of whom joined the newly formed United States Colored Troops. His son, Toussaint Lovature Delaney, served with the famous 54th Regiment. Y'all might have seen that movie, Glory, that's about the 54th Regiment. The senior Delaney wrote to the Secretary of War, Edwin M. Stanton, requesting that he make efforts to command all of the effective black men as agents of the United States, but the request was ignored. During the recruitment, 179,000 black men enlisted in the U.S. colored troops, almost 10% of all who served in the Union Army. He recruited all of those people. Now, in early 1865, he was granted an audience with Lincoln. He proposed that core black men led by black officers um, and said that they could win over the blacks in the South. Although a similar appeal by Frederick Douglass had been rejected by Lincoln, Lincoln was impressed by Delaney and described him as a most extraordinary and intelligent man. He was commissioned as a major in February 1865, becoming the first black line field officer in the U.S. Army and achieving the highest rank an African-American would reach during the Civil War. And New Abolitionist Radio salutes abolitionist, black nationalist, and journalist Martin Delaney. Salute. Salute. Okay, let's go around 
the table and get our final comments of the night. It's been a joy working with you all tonight uh, on this very first broadcast with you all of 2019. So uh, let's let's start with uh, Khadija. Uh, Khadija, do you have any final parting thoughts you would like to leave with our listeners? Well, thank you, Brother Reed. This platform is exactly what society needs, and we want to provide resources. So for future shows, we're going to be able to, to explain to people where to get resources. Um, call us up so we can explain the, the legalities of people's cases. And just pretty much we have people behind the wall that's fighting for rights. Look, we're here to help you. We want to be your voice, voice of concerns, and we're going to be interviewing people on the show. So everyone just tune in to... Prison Street Talk Ministries on Black Talk Radio, because this is what we're about. We're about uh, truth seekers. We want to make sure that rights are being protected and people understand what their rights are. And, and I'm, I'm just going to sign off because I got I to gotta run real quick. But I, I appreciate everything, man. I, this, is, this is something that I love, love talking about. Love talking about this because it's, it's passionate and it's close and it's dear to my heart. You know what I'm saying? I have brothers, and, and I have brothers right now behind the wall that's fighting for their life that have been wrongfully committed. You know, Killer E, um, Jesse Terrell, Lil E, man. I love you, brothers, man, and I want y'all to stay strong. I want to, I'm going to continue this fight because I'm the voice of my brothers and sisters who are incarcerated, man. And um, I'm going to continue to speak about the issues and the concerns. And this is Tyson McCullough, and I'm signing off, man. I thank you for everything, brother. Um, Brother Reed, and you know, Maxwell, I love you, bro. All right, my brother. All right, peace, man. All right. All right. And Free Killer E, man. Yes, I'm just going to say, uh, Brother Reed, I'm just Maxwell Mullins. I just, you know, look forward to what's up and coming for 2019, you know, what we can make happen and open to new ideals and see what we can get out there, you know? Most, Making people most up, certainly. you know, about that change and everything, see if we can make it happen for 2019. And, uh, you know, like, if anybody wants to reach out to me, you know, they can hit me up, melvin782, gmail.com. You can go to Instagram, melvin782. You know, I, I go out, I talk to communities, I talk to kids, everything. I try to uplift and everything. I'm available. You know, just reach out to me. And, you know, it's uh, more than an honor to be a part of Black Talk Radio and uh, the abolitionists. And uh, as I said, I will, you know, be 100% in what I have to offer. I'm not going to come at you sideways. Whatever I come with you with, I'm going to come correct and 100%. Any information that I bring you, I'm not bringing you on assumption or an opinion. I'm bringing you on a fact. So I look forward to our next show. And uh, peace out. All right. Thank you, uh, Brother Maxwell. And I, again, want to reiterate my thanks for our new host for stepping up to uh, fill a void. Um, we had we had some creative differences with the prior host. Um, you know, I still love bro- Brother Max Partis. I don't know if he's listening or not, but, you know, we decided to part ways. But guess what? The program must go on because it's too important. And I certainly appreciate uh, connecting with these brothers um, because they have a lot of experience and they've been behind the walls. They lived 
what many of us just talk about. So we always want uh, to get their perspectives. And again, Sister Khadijah for uh, making the connections for me and helping uh, Black Talk Media Project uh, relaunch new abolitionist radio. So with that said, until next week, next Wednesday, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, y'all be safe out there behind these enemy lines. Peace and blessings to all. Good night. All right, peace. Peace, my brother. Peace. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, only really just want this. Freedom.